Welcome to Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp as per usual. Scott, beautiful day. Beautiful day. Shivering like the plants a little bit I was this morning. but uh, It was very fresh this morning. It was. It's going to be an upset for them, uh, going from those almost spring-like uh, conditions over the weekend to all of a sudden being cold. But we might talk about that a little bit later on. Yes, it's going to be a frosty week, I think. Yeah, so, uh, yes, maybe snow. Possibly. Yes, I like the sound of that. What have you also got for us today, Scott? I thought we'd talk about baby's toe succulents. Uh, poinsettias are out at the yep. moment. And what to do if you're going to start planting some roses. And Scott, you mentioned about baby toe succulents before. Yes, I, I did. And you sort of gave me a funny look, didn't you? Well, I was a little bit... I, I think I misheard you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, look, I haven't got newborns I've pulled out of my bag or anything, but something almost as cute there. Almost, Almost yeah. as cute as kittens and newborns. Succulents. Succulents. And this is called the baby toe succulent, and it does look like little baby's toes sticking up out of the soil. And it... Yeah, okay, I'm, of, yeah, I'm showing Greg pictures here, and he's saying, yes, I think they do look like that. They also get uh, fantastic little flowers on them as well, a little yellow flower on them that sort of springs out from the top. I guess the best way to describe it, I, I'm sort of describing it like they're almost coral polyps, aren't they? The way they yeah, come I'm... up and they're all rounded at the top. But you, I mean, you, you, you look at... better with them polyps, though, polyps, you? I guess it could, couldn't it? But you look at them and you think, how can a plant actually look like this? It is so unusual. But they are the thing at the moment. Everyone really wants to have a go at these. Uh, they are a beautiful, beautiful plant. Uh, they can be grown indoors and outdoors in a full sun to partial shade. Um, I guess if you're growing them indoors, though, you need them on, on a fairly bright window, so you wouldn't want them, um, you know, in the bathroom or somewhere like that. Yep. It's a little bit too shady. Uh, but they certainly will grow there for you. Uh, look, I think if you've got them indoors, definitely reduce your watering quite a lot. You know, maybe just do almost a, a dribble or so, um, you know, each week. Uh, outdoors a little bit more. Again, don't sit them in a sauce. You never do that with the succulent because it'll just rot them away quick smart. Uh, but look, they're not an immensely tall growing plant. They only get up to about uh, seven and a half centimetres tall. Um, they don't really like the cold. Okay, not, yeah. not the best time now then. Probably not at the moment, but look, it's it's not too bad. Newcastle's fine for them, but obviously you wouldn't take them, for, you know, further south. Okay, um, around Canberra anywhere could you like have that. Have them indoors though. Well, you could as long as again, if it's that nice, bright, sunny place. But around Canberra, anywhere like that, uh, I think you're starting to get too cold to have them outdoors. Right. Uh, look, if you uh, want to propagate them, uh, if you can find some, you uh, sort of pinch them off, and like all succulents, put the leaf in, and it uh, sort of sprouts off and off they go again. Um, and look, yeah, again, a really cute and lovely little plant with those white and yellowy sort of tufty flowers that come out. I'm thinking they look a little bit like yeah, coral. Coral. Polyps. Okay, coral sounds better than polyps. Okay. It's lunchtime, Scott. That's Okay, okay. We'll, leave, we'll leave it at that then. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. And we've got Stephen from Lambton on the line. He's got a question about pine trees. Hey, Stephen. How can we help you? Um, um, I've just got a couple of questions. How fast can cypress canker kill pine trees? Oh, look, very, very quickly, they'll make them look ugly. But I've seen cypress, you know, with, with canker just completely riddled with it. And they're still going, you know, two, three, four years later. Um, I mean, they're a very resilient tree. But what usually happens is you start to see branches dying off, you know, the sap coming out of the holes. So and Is the canker, the uh, borer in the pine tree as well as with the... With the cypress canker, are they both together in these trees? Because there's an awful lot of pine trees are dying. I've got three. Yep. They're starting to get it pretty severe. They weep. Yes. The, they weep a lot, whether that must be the borer. But 
it seems like it's that spores from the cypress canker that's killing it. Yeah, so what, what happens is the canker weakens well. I mean, look, it can be one or the other, you know, chicken or egg sort of thing. Either the borers get in there and, and weaken the tree and then the, it's more susceptible to the canker or the canker gets in there and then it becomes weakened, you know, bark starts to split and then the borers get in there as well. Uh, so either way, they always seem to come hand in hand. It's like, you know, they, they follow each other around. Um, and but once that bore is in there, that's what when it really starts to go backwards on you because it's just eating away the uh, you know the the tissue of the, of the plant where the you know the nutrients in the sap streams rising up to try and feed it. So that's when you start to see branches dying off and uh, you know just the general thinning out of the plant. Yeah, so uh, to kill the borer, do I have to drill into the stems and put some sort of insecticide in there? Yes, look, you can do that. Uh, or the other thing is to try and find as many holes as you can. Now, the trouble with doing that is, as you said, it's usually weeping the, the sap out yeah, of there. Sap, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you can't actually get, you know, the, the chemical down into those holes to try and get to them. They're dying so rapidly at the moment, though. So I've seen pine trees all around New Lambton. They've yep. got it so bad on uh, strands of 10 trees up around Maitland. They're dying like... Uh, just right before your eyes. Yeah, and look, I, I think what, the other... there was about thirty. I could count thirty or forty pine trees are dying in Newcastle at the moment. Yeah, um, look, the other thing that happens is because it's been so dry again. You know, that's yes, obviously and that's what's causing it. Yes, yeah, yeah, and, and that's just exacerbating the problem. So, like yes, I said, so I've seen, I've seen them. Do about it. So that. Bottom line. Yeah, look, you can drill into the trunk if you want to and then seal up those holes once you've got some poison in there. But if it's really far gone, uh, you know, you're on a bit of a losing uh, team there. Okay, thank you. Okay, sorry about the bad news, Stephen. That's all right, but there's an awful lot of dying at the moment, Scott. So there's yeah, look, it's got too dry, and all these trees are suffering from the dry conditions, and there's more bugs attacking them ever before. Yeah, so they get into this vicious cycle then, where you know they're becoming more stressed, you know, because of the the uh, the drought conditions, uh, and then in they go, the insects go, and it, you just get into this vicious spin with them. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you very much. Okay, thank thanks, you. Stephen. Have a nice afternoon, mate. Jason from Lawn, and he's got a question about lily pillies. Hello, Jason. How can we help you? Yeah, g'day, Scott. Mate, look, I've got uh, some really nice lily pillies growing at home, and they're starting to develop a real dark black um, soot, for the want of better words, yes. a, a tacky type of soot. Not only that, uh, and I have tried to treat that with, um, oh, crikey, I can't think of the name of the oil uh, that I've used, but what's happened uh, leading up to, say, through summer and leading up to the spring is it's, we've just had an infestation of a different coloured fly in there, for the want of better words. Um, I've never seen the type of fly. It's, it's um, quite large, but just hundreds and hundreds of flies as if they're living inside the lily-pilly bushes themselves. Yuck, yuck, that doesn't sound too flash. <laughs> no, it doesn't, mate. The, the, the plant itself, uh, other than the black soot type uh, sticky residue that's on the, a lot of the outer leaves, um, other than that, it's, it seems very, very healthy. It's, they're all growing really, really well. But these uh, two or three in this particular location, for whatever reason, it's right in between the path. So it's very, very much a nuisance. You walk through it and the bees will scatter as they mm. do, but then there's hundreds and hundreds of flies. They're like oh, three-quarter size blowies.
Okay, look, I, I I don't know about the flies, but I can certainly treat your sooty mould for you, though. So we, yep. maybe if we get rid of you know those problems, then it might yep. get rid of the, the flies. They might be coming there feeding on something. So what you have got is sooty mould. Yep. Uh, and that is brought onto the plant by ants coming up to feed on the residue of a scale insect that will also be living on your plant at the moment as well because uh, right. these things come hand in hand. So what you really need to do first is get rid of that scale insect. Uh, now, okay. To do that, uh, you need to either use a product called Eco Oil or you can mix up Malathon and white oil together uh, according to the instructions uh, and, and then spray that on the plant. Now, what that does is the oil actually breaks down the uh, sort of the waxy scale shell and it's, it lets the uh, chemical permeate down through that waxy shell into the little insect that's hiding away and underneath there and sucking the sap out of your plant. So it's a wonder your plant's actually not looking a little bit sick because of the, all the scale insect um, all over it. And then once you've done that, then a couple of days later, uh, you have to get a, a product called copper oxychloride, which is a fungicide, and spray that all over the plant and what you'll find after a couple of days is that black sooty mould will actually dr- sort of start to dry off and almost uh, shed like a, a snake skin, just sort of start to peel off from the plant. Uh, oh, yeah. If you want to, you can also get the hose and try and hose it off as well. But generally, the uh, copper oxychloride does that for you. So, mate, it is a two-pronged attack. You have to uh, get the... Uh, uh, the, either the eco oil or the clear white oil and the malathon together and spray that to get rid of the uh, scale insect. And then a couple of days later, you need to apply the copper oxychloride to get rid of the sooty mould. Then you have to do it again in about two weeks' time as well to try and keep it under control. When, right, you, okay. when you're applying the insecticide, make sure you're very liberal with it. You want it uh, right down inside, running down the branches, uh, down the yep. stems of the tree. Try and mist mm-hmm. as much as you can in underneath the leaves because that's where the little scale insects are living. And uh, and the ants are coming up to feed off that. Mate, as to your flies, um, I, I don't really know about that. The only fly I know are the blowfly and the tsetse fly. Uh, and I'll tell Greg about why I know about the tsetse fly later on um, because it's a long-winded explanation. Right. Uh, um, but I, I'm thinking even if you're spraying with uh, clear white oil and malathon, that might um, get rid of uh, some of the flies in the area as well. Okay, yeah, because they're only gravitating towards these, say, two or three lily pillies. And as I said, they look very healthy other than the scale but or that black sooty yeah. mould. But uh, they're big flies and they're not pestilent um, for the family around the veranda or anything like that, they just gravitate to that uh, that area with those trees. So, look, I'll try that. Yep. And, mate, Bonza, with any luck, it'll work, and she'll be a beauty. Okay, good on you, Jason. Thanks for that. Righto. Okay. Thanks. Appreciate, Appreciate it, mate. It, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. Jeez, thanks, Jason. We've got Wendy now from Dudley, and she's got a question about wisteria. She's also managed to send us through a couple of photos. You've got to love technology, don't you? I mean, forget the uh, post and the, you know the what was it? You know when the the pony the Pony Express. We don't need that anymore, do we? We've got internet. <laughs> exactly. And we've got Wendy as well. How can we help you, Wendy? I think they were, they were struggling a bit with the technology, but anyway. <laughs> no, no, not, no, 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 Wendy. Really, <laughs> us? We know what we're doing. Yeah, yes. absolutely. <laughs> you click this button and you press this screen, and everything happens. Apparently. Hey, presto, it's all done. Yeah. There you go. I thought it would be quite easy if I sent the photos, but anyway, if you've seen the photos, my poor old wisteria. Yes. Is in in a pot because I don't want it to didn't want it to overtake everything. Yes. Um, I think it's, the drainage is okay. There's one hole, and water does come out. It was good potting mix. 
Um, I did a pH test, and I think it was seven, but I can't really... I think it was, like, neutral. And um, as you can see by the photos, I could just stroke... I've cut back all the, those ones that look like that you can see with all the brown. I've cut most of those off and just left a few. Um, but yeah, what's what's wrong? I'm killing it too. Yeah, look, look, don't don't be too concerned. At the moment, it's going to lose its leaves anyway, coming into winter, and it's going to become dormant. So that browning yeah. off of the leaves that um, we can see thanks to the powers of the interweb, uh, that that that's just really the uh, the browning off of, of winter and but losing its leaves. They've been like that all the time. They've been like that most of summer. Okay. The new leaves have come, and I think they're a bit pale. Look like they needed something, and then I thought because it was so hot. On the west, but something that they'd all go like that. They'd start off yeah. nice. And, look, and I think being in a pot against a brick wall, uh, like you've got it climbing up that chain there against that brick wall, uh, yeah. a very, very hot spot for it. Fantastic yeah. if it's in the ground um, because it you know, can absorb more moisture from that. But when it's in a little container like your pot, it, it's going to find that, you know, it's going to struggle yeah. trying to get enough moisture. So your watering is just going to have to be, you know, absolutely daily. spot on. Yeah, well, even more than daily, I would say. Uh, uh, right. Okay. So a wisteria is probably a plant that, um, you know, isn't, because of the size of it and, and the speed of its growth, it's probably not, you know, particularly well suited to being in a pot. Uh, you'd certainly have to try and contain it to like a standardized, you know, like a, a little shape um, as a wisteria uh, if, and if you're going to keep it in a pot. But, uh Look, I, I wouldn't be too concerned. Some general feeding with liquid fertiliser. Uh, so, uh, no, sea salt only is good for the root system of the plant. So yeah. you need something like Flourish, which is a liquid fertiliser, and you'd use that every couple of weeks. And uh, you'd then use some other fertiliser, some slow-release pellet fertiliser every three to four months with it as well. And then just make yeah. sure that your watering's really, really diligent. Right, you can't overwater it? Oh, look, I, I wouldn't think so in that situation that we can see on your photos up against that brick wall facing the west. Uh, you certainly wouldn't be able to uh, be overwatering the plant. Right, because yeah, I water it. The, I'm diligent with the watering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I, I understand, but when you said you're only sort of watering it once, uh, you know, you can do that and then by 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, that pounding right, heat. Yeah. And, and then, as you know, yeah. your, your brick walls, they'll stay hot until, you know, 9 or 10 o'clock at night yeah. uh, in summer. And, and that plant's absorbing that and it's, you know, it's uh, become, it's dehydrating essentially. It's like you standing up against the brick wall yeah. out in the sun. Would it help to put it in a bigger pot? Uh, look, it certainly would because it just gives it a bigger root system and uh, far more, you know, moisture to be able to absorb in. Uh, so certainly doing that would be helpful. Um, but, it's, you know, you're still going to have to contain the size of the plant somewhat as well. So cut it. But see, I wanted it to grow, but not yeah. grow too big. So we're letting it grow that far is. I should be cutting it back. Oh, look, I, I, from the photos, we can't see exactly how far you're letting it grow. But, uh, you know, most uh, wisteria you see in a pot are like a weeping specimen where they've let it go up, you know, a couple of metres, and then they just let it hang down uh, and just keep it contained in that space. But once you're, you're wanting to, you know, cover over a pergola or a fence or something, a pot's just not going to be big enough for you. Okay. So now's probably a good time then to cut it back. Absolutely, once it's dormant, um, so it should be losing its leaves, as we said, um, you know, very, very yeah. soon, especially with this cold snap we've just had today. And yeah. uh, it's now a perfect time if you want to move it or uh, you know pull it out and um, start again with it, put it into a bigger pot. Perfect time to do it at the moment. Yeah, I might try a deeper pot. I yeah, think. and that's always also a good idea as well because shallow pots are always going to uh, you know lose yeah. you know lose their uh, moisture a lot more quickly. Awesome. Well, I'll see if I can find a pot that's going to fit there where I want it to fit and um, 
see how it goes. Okay. Thanks for the call, Wendy. Appreciate it. Thanks. Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you RFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, 49216216. And we have David from Swansea. He's got a question about frangipanis. Hi, David. How can we help you, mate? Uh, pretty simple one for you, Scott. Uh, the frangipani leaves, you know, they're all dropping at present. They're dropping on the garden. I've got clivias and geraniums growing. Are they harmful? Yeah, look, they're not. The only thing that they do, uh, you know, they might have the uh, frangipani rust on them at the moment because most of them do. I know mine out the front has. Yeah. Uh, so I'd be trying to, uh, you know, rake them up as, as best as possible as well. So if they're landing all over plants, uh, you know, they are going to slow them down. They're, they're photosynthesising down because they're just providing a coverage. But as a mulch, look, don't be concerned about it except for that rust issue. Okay, the milky sap's no problem. Uh, look, no, the milky sap's not a problem. Uh, why is the milky sap coming out from the plant at the moment? Have you pruned it? Or? Oh, no, it's just naturally in the leaves, you know. I, oh, okay, yeah, look, there shouldn't be too much of that coming out. Uh, I, I would think the rust is the biggest problem. Uh, so if you see that developing on some of your other plants, grab a uh, fungicide and use it as a drench over the plant. Okay, thanks, Scott. Okay, it was easy, David. I'm glad we could help you. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, bye-bye. Graham from Thornton. And he's got some weeds in his lawn. Graeme, how can we help you with it, mate? Yeah, good morning, and uh, thanks for taking my call. No worries. Uh, I suppose I'm calling. So the other day, I saw a gentleman spraying something onto his grass. Yes. And when I asked him about it, he said it was, he said it was a weed killer. But it was a weed killer that only attacks the weeds, but is harmless to the grass. Yes, that, that's correct. So there's a couple of different weed killers you can get to do that. Um, or I guess, look, we call them selective herbicides uh, because they do, they select exactly which weed they want to uh, get rid of in the lawn. And now now's actually a good time to do it. Now, mate, the, the two I'm talking about, there's one that effectively will do broadleaf weeds like, you know, dandelions and those things that spread out. And, you know, when you pull them out, they've got the big deep taproot going down. And there's the other type of selective herbicide that will do bindies and clover and other sort of smaller leaf weeds. So I guess you probably have to have a look at your lawn and decide what you know what you've got and what you want to get rid of, and then yes, you just go out and uh, get these uh, herbicides and you spray it all over your lawn. Make sure there's not going to be any rain for about five to seven hours, and uh, generally it just starts to uh, burn off and you'll get a result. The bindies will be gone, and it's a good time to do it at this time of year because what happens is your grass stops growing, but the weeds keep on growing and they start to take over and they leave bare patches and you get bindies in your lawn. So, mate, if you if you want to, a very good time to actually get out and uh, give your lawn a hit with some sort of herbicide. So, if I just go and talk, go to my local uh, gardening centre and ask about uh, herbicides, uh, yeah. yes, you abso- don't know what I'm talking about. Absolutely, mate. If you've got some weeds in your lawn as well, uh, maybe just take a couple of examples from them, just so they can see what you've got, <clears throat> so they can give you the uh, the best advice, and uh, make sure you haven't mowed your lawn as well. You need some good growth on there for the chemical to actually settle on. Well, I did cut the grass uh, yesterday. Okay, mate. So, so I'd, be, I'd be waiting a couple of weeks now before I did it, especially with the growing, uh, you know, almost gone. So I'd, a couple of weeks' time, uh, then I'd make sure there's some, uh, you know, sort of leafy growth there on those weeds and uh, give it a spray then. That sounds fantastic. Okay. Thanks ever so much. You've been ever so helpful. Not a problem, Graham. You have a nice afternoon, mate. You likewise, and thank you again. Okay, bye-bye. Oh, we've got Trevor now, and he's got a question about blueberry bush. Yeah. Tre- Trevor, how can we help, mate? Yeah, you go, mate. Uh, thanks for taking the call. Mate, I've um, got this blueberry bush. It's been going fine in this pot for ages. And over the past three weeks, it's just starting to die off. 
Right. Okay, look, blueberries are sort of, they're semi-deciduous. So as we go into the colder months, they will start to, you know, thin out their leaves. Uh, They don't necessarily always lose all their leaves. Uh, So that could be the problem with it. Um, But otherwise than that, they're actually pretty resilient plant. They don't really have pest and disease that, you know, gets into them here uh, in Australia. So uh, I'd be inclined just maybe even to give it a very light prune back. Uh, Just keep on watering it as normal and, uh, you know, just hope for the best with it. I'm thinking that it might just be thinning out for winter. Okay. Okay. And even, even though we are getting, you know, it's cooler... Uh, don't be tricked by that. Still go out and water your plants because I, I know in winter, you know, it's, it's quite easy to lose far more plants in, in winter uh, because you look outside or, you know, there's a dew settled on the ground in the morning and you think, oh, it's cold out there. The plants don't need a drink. But like today, the wind's blowing across them. Their uh, sort of their respiration rate is up at the moment because of that wind blowing across them and they dry out. So even though it's cool, still important to give them a water, mate. Okay, everybody. Okay. Not a problem. Thanks Thank for that. Much for that. Good luck with it. Give us a call back if you have no luck. Okay, buddy. Thank okay, you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Yep. It's Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. We've got Viv from Hamilton. She's got a, well, they've got a question about magnolias. Hello, Viv. How can we help you with them? Oh, hi. Um, they're actually dying. I've got a row of them, five in a row. One's not too bad. But the others, the leaves have all dropped off, and now they're shooting again. And one's actually... The leaves came back, the new shoots came back, and then they dropped off again. They, they go really brown, and they're like they they die, and then they just drop off. So I'm just wondering if you've got any hints on that. Yeah, it's it's only happening to the one plant you said. No, the whole lot. No, it's except, having... except for one. Oh, except, one that... oh, except for one. I, oh, there were, I wasn't listening properly, well, so I better you know I'll slap over the wrist <laughs> for that one. Uh, how old are the plants, Viv? Well, they're not very old. They're beautiful. Everyone used to comment on them. They're absolutely magnificent. Um, but they're probably about um, maybe three years, four years oh, old. Okay, so you're not, not really old. So it's not as if they'd have any, uh, you know, borers or anything attacking them at the moment, especially if it's most of them doing this and not just one. I would, uh, I'd be inclined, we were just talking to, to Trevor about his blueberry bush, completely different plants, but I'm thinking the watering of them at the moment is going to be really, really important because it is very dry out there uh, and the wind is uh, blowing across uh, the plants at the moment. Uh, and so it is difficult for them, uh, you know, if, if they're not getting any rain and you're not watering them properly. So I would be definitely getting out there and watering them. The, the fact that yours, uh, you know, tried, lost its leaves is often a sign of, of drying out. And then it's tried to regrow again. I don't think there's too much wrong with them. Uh, so, and then it, it's lost its leaves again. So I'm thinking, yes, a light, very light shave over, a light prune back of them, and then uh, make sure that they're very, very well watered until we get some rain. Okay, so when I did cut some of the branches off, they were actually dead. They were, okay. So now with, with so with that, just keep on pruning back down through the plant until you get back down to green because leaving that, that dead wood there is absolutely useless. So, yeah, just keep on pruning back down until you get to the green. No fertiliser. You don't stress the plant out at the moment. It won't be able to process that fertiliser properly. All they really want is water at this point in time. Okay, because a few weeks ago I did actually give them some cow manure. Oh, okay. So you might have burnt them as well in that case. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they are they are in the ground, aren't they? They're not in pots. Yeah, they're in the ground. Yeah, 
No, they're in the ground. They're quite high, yeah. so they're um, yeah. So no, they're in the ground. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look, and that, that's a great rule of thumb. If you plant stressed, don't go and fertilize. I know we all want to sort of give it some sort of medicine yeah. to to make it better, but um, you know they're not exactly like humans, uh, and it will make them. You know, they just can't process that uh, through their system. So if they are stressed for some reason, water is the the main tonic for them. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much for that. Okay. You have a nice afternoon, Viv. You too. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. It's Gardening Talkback on 2 RFM Now, Scott, people can ring up, but also yes. they can send us an email. They can. Which is gardening at 2 rfmcom You got a few emails this week? Uh, well, we've got one email, and I love the way you had the address ready then. That was one you uh, prepared earlier. <laughs> well prepared today. Well prepared. Always, Always prepared. Always trying to trick you on that one. <laughs> uh, so Jennifer has uh, emailed in some pictures of a weed that she's got uh, in her garden out around the Rathmines area. Uh, now, it's also fairly prevalent. I know this weed quite well. It's prevalent around the Merriweather area, around the beaches as well. And it's called pennywort, and it's a very difficult weed to get rid of because it sends uh, little lateral roots, like a little crisscrossing grid in under the ground, and then the, the green leaves sprout up from that. The other really difficult thing about this one, Jennifer, is that it's a very waxy, uh, round leaf. Everyone's probably seen it at the beach. I mean, it's quite cute, um, but it's, it is actually invasive here in New South Wales in Queensland. Uh, now, because it's got that waxy leaf, using uh, zero or glyphosate on it, it, it does work, but it uh, doesn't work quite as well. So if you can put some sort of uh, wetting agent in there, even a little bit of detergent, just makes it a little bit more sticky. The other thing I always like to do with pennywort, if you can, uh, if it's in a patch, actually tread over it a couple of times with your shoes and just break the membrane of the leaf. Just, right. Yeah, and then the, uh, the uh, chemicals actually absorbed in there are a lot better. Sounds like you can get the kids involved in that as well. Yeah, they'll probably trample them into the ground. It's not You don't want to do that. You just want to sort of give it a, a light walk over just to break it up and then use your glyphosate. That is the only thing that's going to get rid of it and persistence. So uh, don't try pulling it out. It certainly won't work. Uh, the chemical solution is the only way to go for that one. Thank you for the email, Jennifer. We love them because they give us a visual reference as well. It's nice to see something. It is. Instead it is. of trying to picture it in your own yeah, it's mind. Like, it's like VR here, gardening <laughs> VR. <laughs> We've got time for one more call, Scott. And we've got Eric from Fern Bay on the line. He's got a question about orchids. Eric, what's happening? Orchid sent to my partner uh, for Mother's Day, I think it was, last year. Yes. Uh, so it's 12 months old. And it says on the uh, on the label... Uh, just one tablespoon full of water per week. Yes, yes. Now, is that a Phalaenopsis orchid or is it one of the strappy leafed orchids we're talking about? I'll be honest with you, it's a fairly big leaf. Yeah. A, uh, shiny dark black. Yeah. Is it a, fat, a fatter, fatter leaf rather than a thinner leaf? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. Now, that, that's been there for about 12 months. Yes. Um, uh, and the, the um, stem have gone like as if they're dead, the, the, I suppose, after 12 months. Yeah. It's pretty right. Yeah, so that, now, I was wondering, those two bulbs, or the bulbs that are in it, they're in a pot. Yes. The, two, the bulbs, are they still any good, or should I throw them away, or can you part them, or...? Yeah, now look, if, if we're talking about a cymbidium orchid, they do have a, a, a bulb there, and yes, you can split those and uh, replant them. Uh, if we're talking about a Phalaenopsis orchid, they're more of an aerial orchid. They don't have a bulb. Uh, sometimes the flower stalks on those die off, and you just prune those back out. 
Um, but generally, I, the old teaspoon or tablespoon of water a week, it sounded a little bit light on to me. I'd probably give them a little bit more um, than that. But, you know, not dramatically more, maybe half a cup or so. And, yeah. uh, and that should uh, look after it for you then. I so, see. I thank you very much for your time then. Okay, thanks for that, Eric. Appreciate the call, mate. Okay, okay bye-bye. Thank you, bye-bye. Bye. Jeez, thanks, Eric. Just managed to fit Eric in. We squeezed him in. I hope I could give him support. We might talk about orchids next week just to, if, if he wants to listen back and we'll Righto. get some more information. Excellent. Out there. Scott Sharp, thank you very much. Okay. Catch you next week. See you then. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.